Yo. <laughs> Thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Then again, you probably already know that by now. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can find this podcast just about anywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Overcast FM, Pocket Cast. Of course, you can catch me on the Gram, Facebook, and Twitter. So there's no reason not to subscribe to this podcast. Alright, so check it out. Here's what I want to talk about today. August 27th, 1996. Check it. Outcast releases AT Aliens. So today we're gonna to hit it. If you've been following this podcast, you know that we've been featuring some groundbreaking albums that drop on their 20-year anniversary. And this podcast will be no different. We're going to be talking about Outkast, AT Aliens, 20 years later. This album dropped August 27th, 1996. And it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it because you have to kind of put in your mind everything that was going on. First of all, 1996 was an incredible year for hip-hop. But on top of that, there were some great albums to come out that particular year. To this point, before this album dropped, you had All Eyes on Me from Tupac. You had The Score from the Fugees. I mean, you had Reasonable Doubt, Stakes is High. I mean, Riding Dirty <laughs> from UGK. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. I mean, and these albums were like back to back to back. Um, Beats, Rhymes, and Life uh, by a Tribe Called Quest. And then these guys from the South, from Atlanta, dropped AT Aliens. It was their second album. Uh, the first album, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, was dropped in 1994. So. Like I said, a lot of stuff's going on. You got the East Coast, West Coast rivalry is still going on. Um, and here come these guys from the South. Now, if you if you follow your rap history, you remember that uh, Southern Playlistic drop, Cadillac Music dropped and Outkast subsequently won the Source Award for best, uh, you know, new album, best new rap group uh, in hip hop and were booed the hell off the stage. <laughs> And that's when your man Andre 3000 got up there and said the South got something to say. And to be honest, the South has been talking ever since. Um, but yeah, man, this album dropped. And I remember it very, I remember it vividly, man, because I was still in college <laughs> trying to finish up. And, uh, and and this one, you know, Outkast had already had a, you know, great success with Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music. That album went platinum. So... You know, the question was, was could, can, you know, could they do it again? Um, they did. <laughs> uh, this album sold, I think, like close to 350,000 copies in the first two weeks, which was unheard of, particularly coming from a group coming from the South, man. So it was just, it was dope, you know, from, from start to finish. But it was, it was, I guess the thing that, that really stood out initially was like people, just had their expectations and some people 
you know, it, it exceeded their expectations and others, you know, and we'll talk about that a little later as far as what people expected from the album. Um, but yeah, incredible album and very much so a, 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 a staple of the music that was put out in 1996. All right, so let's break it down. Um, first and foremost, I think probably one of the most interesting things about the album is not just the album, but the album cover. If you look at the album cover, the album cover is is it was different in and of itself because the album cover featured Dre and Big Boy, they're outcasts, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, but it featured them more like and, and it looked more like a comic strip as opposed to the two of them and their fate and, and you know like how you would normally look on an album cover. And rumor has it, very few people know this, but what happened was. They came up with the name. They they were on the face records. They went up to L.A. Reid's office. They said, hey, we got a name for the album. And it was like, what? It was like AT Aliens. And L.A. Reid was like, okay, sounds good. That sounds dope. Let's run with it. And so what they decided was they were working with some people on LaFace's team. And, you know, they were kicking around concepts or what have you. And they were talking about maybe doing like a comic book. And even if you open up the album cover uh, on the liner notes, you see and, and you see the the inside of the album features like a little comic strip what have you nobody was doing anything like that and um they eventually got their project moved to uh, a gentleman by the name of frank gomez who now works as a character designer at marvel animation but back then he was uh illustrating comics for dc comics and um you know he he helped with the design and what have you and then they, you know, they, they put Andre 3000 in a turban and they put Big Boy in a, you know, had a he had a little Braves hat on. So it was like just repping the city. And so that was something different. Nobody was really, really ready for that. And, you know, they showed their faces in this cartoon. So it made them look like kind of like superheroes. Um, and. It really went back to me when I first saw the album cover, went back to what Andre 3000 said that night that they got booed off the stage at the Source Awards was that the South had something to say. And they really did. And so it was really an introduction. When you look at the album cover, I think it's an introduction to what it is that you're actually about to get once you press play. And so you had the comic book feel. Those guys look like, uh, you know, look like superheroes. And then, you know, then you go back to the name of the album, AT Alien. And, and I mean, like at the time, nobody was, I mean, like people knew about Atlanta as far as a music scene. It was up and coming. Uh, they just that particular summer. They just had the Summer Olympics here in Atlanta. Uh, and I say here in Atlanta because I live in Atlanta. But at the time I was in college in South Carolina, uh, but I subsequently moved after graduating from college in 1996, in December of 96, in the summer of 1997, I too became an ATL alien and moved to Atlanta. Um, but the thing about it was, was that the, the name stood out because it was kind of like, you know, a dual thing where almost like a double entendre where it meant, you know, it was showing pride in the city, but it was also you know, gave you that feel of, you know, hey, it's an ATL and like you're like almost like you're being an outsider. And that's what a lot of people viewed outcasts as outsiders, outcasts, if you will. Uh, and, and by some rights, they were, you know, outcasts even in their own city, because not a lot of people could really, really. There was a lot of the mainstream people that really were still hesitant to come to the outcast table. 
But man, did they bring him to the table with this album? Um, as far as the production, man, the production was dope. I, it, this album is craftily put together. Uh, just produced produced by uh, Earth Tones Ideas and of course Organized Noise. So you don't need me to tell you about Organized Noise. Organized Noise, the camp is, I mean, they're dope and they really got it started and they, you know, they produced obviously the first album as well. So, you know, this album just had a different sound, a different feel. It was really kind of grimy and gritty, but it had this, these futuristic sounds. Didn't sound like it had a little, it had a lot of funk, had a lot of R&B, had a lot of, you know, had some gospel element in it, but at the core of it, it was hip hop, but it was just that dirty grimy red clay <laughs> southern slang hip-hop and that was new to everybody so it was really really incredible um and suffice to say man dre and big boy that i mean they really really rhymed their asses off on this whole project all the way through um you you have to start off with the intro the intro comes on you may die that's the intro Right. And, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, when you hear the, the uh, when you hear, I think it's, yeah, it's Joy, Joy Gilliam. Um, she's singing and, and, and you hear it sounds like a choir behind her. Um, so that kind of sets it off. And then you start with the first uh, full song of the album, uh, Two Dope Boys in a Cadillac. That was their introduction. Like it was like, hey, we're back. We're two dope boys in a Cadillac. Now, what was interesting was like you just really had. You, you had Andre and Big Boy really going, you know, kind of competing uh, on the first album for like who could throw the, the hottest bars. And I really felt like that was the same on this album, too. Like they just really, really brought it on each track. Um, I remember listening to uh, Two Dope Boys in a Cadillac and the hook says, who them boys that be having it crunk in every occasion? And I'm like crunk and i think for me i don't i can't speak for anybody else i think that's the first time i ever heard the word crunk and like i didn't know what it meant but uh you know we we would come to know what the word crunk meant uh just just right after the, <laughs> after this uh, album dropped um so two dope boys in a cadillac man the beat is banging um and like i said they're rhyming uh now the next song that comes on is uh, at aliens which was the uh, obviously the title track, um, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they, they dropped a video for this. So this, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first video, first song that was released from the album. Now the visual concept was cool because you know I remember they were like in this jungle and safari or something like that, and you know and, they, and they're they're Outcast is kind of playing on this extraterrestrial, extra life type things, just kind of letting people know like, hey, we're we're so dope that we're way out you know what i mean so that was interesting but another thing that was interesting was their look uh big boy still had the you know he was still looking fly with the hats and jerseys and stuff like that and you know he came a little pimped out a little bit uh andre not as much Andre was much like the album cover. When you saw the video, he had on a turban. And people really couldn't understand what was what was going on. But uh, between the first album and the second album, they both had, you know, grown a lot. And uh, Andre, you know, he had stopped smoking, stopped drinking, and he became a vegan. And, you know, Big Boy became a father. He lost his aunt, who was like a mother to him. Um, 
So, you know, they were going through some changes and, and, and they they grew as young men. And that, and also when you couple that with the success, but the, the look of Andre really kind of, for some people kind of freaked him out because, you know, he was jeans and sneakers and jerseys and stuff in, in the first you know, every time you saw him and he let his hair grow out before, for this album. And like I said, he's rocking a turban. And what was interesting for me was like, I remember seeing Andre in the first video in a turban. And like, man, I think like weeks later, I went to the club, <laughs> went to the club and I saw dudes in the club with turbans on. I mean, like that, that wasn't really the move in 1996. But hey, you know, people wanted to be like Drake. Um Nonetheless, banging song. That song bangs. Uh, the next song was Wheels of Steel, man. I, I remember this. I remember hearing this for the first time. And I was like, yo, this is this is like, you know, this is is really, really grimy, but Southern hip hop. And what was really dope about it was like they really put the scratches in on this, which is something rare, something that we really don't hear uh, much, if at all, now on records. Uh, but you know they they scratched this one up and it was all it's always good I think when you can add that element into hip hop so that was that was tight. Um, ironically, I think when the album dropped, at least like the first couple of weeks that I kept playing it, that was my favorite song, Wheels of Steel. I would I would play Wheels of Steel every day. Uh, the next joint, uh, Jazzy Bell, Jazzy Bell Ode to the Women. Um, What's interesting about Jazzy Bell is that if you listen to the lyrics and you listen to the type of women that Dre and Big Boy are describing, um, if you've been around and you're a man, you probably know a few Jazzy Bells. And it's not necessarily that she's you know one type of woman or, or this type of woman, but it's just you, you have to really, really consume you know what it is that they're saying but they were man they were dope and they i think they really did a good job of painting the picture as to who they thought jazzy bell was and how how and why she needed to change her ways um next track <laughs> elevators me and you um man first and foremost the hook me and you your mama and your cousin too Rolling down the strip on Vogue's coming up slamming Cadillac doors. I mean, it's simplistic. It's, you know, playeristic, if you will. You won't confuse it for I take seven MCs, put them in a line, but it was so dope because, like, for cats like me, particularly for cats like me who are from the South, it felt good to hear somebody rhyme. And they not try to sound like Rakim, or they not try to sound like LL, or not try to sound like Chuck D. They they really were about honing their own skills in their own Southern drawl, their own Southern way, and and it made you feel proud to see two dope MCs from the South that not try to be like anybody else from the South, and they were proud of where they were from. Thus, the name of the album. But man. That the hook that hook might have been that hook is, is arguably you know one of the most memorable hooks in uh, in hip hop history. Um, but yeah, man, me and you, your mama and your cousin too, rolling down the strip on Vogue's coming up, slamming Cadillac doves. <laughs> I mean, it looks kind of it sounds kind of funny when you read it, but uh, but yeah, man, that that track. 
I mean, the beat was crazy. The beat is crazy. And and again, what was really dope about this was that you know, and I think this was this was self-produced by Outkast. Um, nobody else sounded like this phonically, and so I think that's the thing. That was another thing that really made this album stand out was that phonically nobody else could make this type of music. Um, next song, Over the Woods, uh, another banger. Um, again, and you know what? What really I, I love about this track is that Big Boy and Outkast, I mean Big Boy and Andre, even on this album, they still sound like they're trying to get a deal. Like they're still trying to get respect. And really, if you think about it, they have, or at least they should have had the respect because, you know, the source recognized them as, you know, an up and coming group. I mean, they, they sold a million coming out of Atlanta when nobody was selling records like that or nobody had that kind of volume or, or cachet, if you will, in, in hip hop. And for them to do that and then, you know, really come back on the on the second album, the sophomore album, they could have. Honestly, they could have with the the way and the success that they had from Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, they could have really just put their feet up and said, you know what, we're going to do it this way and we're just going to chill and we're going to have we're going to cater to our fans and so forth and so on. But they really set out to, you know, make something even better than, you know, the first album, which was hard to do because the first album was dope as hell. And so Over the Woods kind of reminds me of just, like I said, these two cats is just really, really rhyming their ass off. Like they're still trying to get a deal. They got a deal, but, you know, they're, they're, they're still going hard at it. And you got to, as, as, a, as a fan of hip hop, regardless of whether or not you like Outkast or not, you got to respect that. Um, next track, Babylon. Uh, Babylon is interesting because Big Boy is... You know he's he's rhyming on this one about he he was talking about his feelings that he was possessing for a woman named Renee. Now at the time that the album dropped, I'm like, okay, who the hell is Renee? Is that your baby mama? Is that your cousin? You know, but turns out that Renee was his aunt uh, who raised him like his like a mother, and she passed away uh, from complication pneumonia. Um, and his his her death obviously affected him a lot, but um. Man, he he was he he laid it on the line, and I think really as a fan, you gotta appreciate that uh, when you get to get the humanistic side of an MC. Um, after that, next song, Whalen. Now, Whalen is more or less of an interlude, but it, but I love the little beat, man. That little <laughs> that little beat is is dope, man. I like Whalen, uh, and it, it goes, it goes. And Big Boy, I mean, the song is only it's right at two minutes long, so. Um, Waylon, I thought was cool. Uh, I, I would have, I'd have been cool if Waylon had been um, a little longer, but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, next track after that, Mainstream. This is one of my favorite tracks. Um, Big Boy's verse. Now, now this, uh, this, uh, excuse me, this song features Cujo and Timo from Goody Mob. Uh, you know, shout out to them dudes, man. And, and to be honest, I think you know you got two really good verses from Timo and, and Cujo. And um, but I think Big Boy's verse really <laughs> he killed it. <laughs> I just, to me, I love Big Boy's verse on this one, man. He 
he, he destroyed it and you know and it's really hard to you know show up Dre or whatever but I think he got Dre on this one and and, and you know I think I think people anytime you have a hip-hop group or duo or trio for that matter you'll always have people who will analyze each song and try to say who had the best verse on whatever song or whatever like that and you know people if you ask most hip-hop fans they will tell you that they think that Andre 3000 is a better MC than Big Boy you know some will tell you I mean most people will tell you that I will say this Big Boy does more than hold his own so don't sleep <laughs> don't sleep especially on this track he he straight destroys it um the next song uh decatur psalm man featuring big gip and cool breeze two other good verses from cool breeze and, and, and big gip um this one really has the southern church southern baptist church you know with the martin luther king fan that you're sitting in the hot church sweating and fanning yourself while the preacher won't get off the the get out of the pulpit um yeah that that came that that song goes hard uh i i, I thought it was dope too because like i remember listening to it you know when i was in again i was in college and you know I'm looking at, okay, Decatur Psalm, you know, and it, the title really didn't mean much to me until I moved here. And where did I move? Decatur. <laughs> so where's Crater? Uh, so, you know, and um, and that's another thing, too, that I think uh, Outkast, they did a lot on both the first album and this album, AT Aliens. Um, they shouted out Atlanta. They shouted out streets. They shouted out, you know, uh, homes or projects if you will uh so you know and, and i think for a lot of people like if, if you i remember um you know they may have been probably the first group i remember ever shouting out campbellton road now everybody who lives in atlanta or who's been here they've been on campbellton road i mean so campbellton road if you're in atlanta campbellton road is almost as popular as peachtree street maybe a little bit popular for other people so um, but yeah, I think they were probably one of the first groups or first people to ever mention Camelton Road. But they did a really good job, I think, of, you know, shouting out their city and, and the streets. And obviously in the first um, album, they talked about Headland and Deloitte, which is where the, the dungeon um, studio was actually at when they would record where they actually recorded the first album. Um, but yeah, I think I, I love that. I love and, it, and it's always, you know, even being here myself. Uh, for the years that I've been here, as long as I've been here, uh, it, it, there's a sense of pride in that because you know you you know you kind of that's that's what New York MCs did a lot. They would shout out their city and and certain parts of the city or, or borough or whatever like that. And you really didn't hear that a lot in the South. And and so when they said you know hanging out on Camelton Road or um, whatever whatever street that they shouted out, that I thought that was important at least for the city pride, if nothing else. Um, Next song is Millennium, um, another banger. <laughs> I mean, like it's like hit after hit after hit. Uh, the next song, ET Extraterrestrial. This one is this one I think gave us a preview for where Outcast could go as far as pushing the musical envelope, um, because nobody else had music that sounded like this. This it was really, really like I said, futuristic. You know, George Clinton type stuff. Um, there was really no beat. I mean, if you just listen to it, it's just, 
and, you know, just out of this world. <laughs> that's all they would say, just out of this world. And that's what that's really kind of where the music was. It was out of this world. It was something that was different. And again, I think what they showed with this album was their dexterity and their ability to really just push the envelope and really not care about offending people or or you know disappointing people or anything like that. Um, and the album closes out with uh, 13th Floor, Growing Old. Um, I that I love that song. I love that song. Um, the hook is dope. Uh, and they just, you know, on this one, they just really kind of reflect. And it, it was a great closeout to the album. Uh, there's another, there's a, the 15th track on the album is Elevators, Me and You. Uh, that's the OMP uh, 86 mix, um, Organized Noise Production mix. Um, nah, I'll be honest, I, ne- I rarely listen to it. I mean, it's dope, but I, you know, by the time I get to that, I'm usually done with the album. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, the album is... That's the album in its entirety. Incredible album. I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, we're going to throw, we're, you know, let's let's get a little perspective on Outkast. And then we'll come back and I'll tell you, you know, what I think about the album, how significant it was, and where I rank it in the music of 1996. AT 20 years later. We'll be back in a second. Outcast is a unit, you know, me and Dre work close together and at the same time we, we work out of the different studios. I work out of Stankonia, he works out of his home studio, but just like when we did uh, Speaker Box Love Below, we would bring all the ideas together and before we put any product out, we always let each other hear what's going on, you know what I'm saying? So before I put out my record, Solutions Left Foot, Son of Chico Dusty, I went to Dre House, played it down. He actually was the one who picked the first single, Shutterbug, and was like, you need to drop this first, you know what I'm saying? So it's still brotherhood all the way down because, you know, it's our brand, and we you know, want to make sure everything's top-notch. Me and Dre has always been about the music, you know? It's never been about who we was fucking or who got locked up or, you know, um, some kind of controversy. It's just like we just make some bl- mind-blowing-ass music. And, you know, to kind of keep things up or keep up a bunch of mess people try to want you know try to throw something in it to make it seem bigger than what it is but it's always just been about the music you know so when they say outcast is breaking up isn't that's never been the case ever i mean we can give a fuck about this music that's my buddy you know what i'm saying first and foremost like i slept on the floor of his bedroom in my high school year in, in high school you know what i'm saying to graduate like we like making music and we got personal lives you know what i'm saying so you're not gonna see us hip to hip all the time there's never been no beef never been no animosity or nothing. It's, it's always been family, but the media, you know how they do. They, you know, want to spice things up a bit. So never that. That's. I mean, how can we still be making all these songs together? And just like that, we're back. So what we're talking about today? At Aliens. Twenty years later. Uh, as I mentioned, man, this album sold through the roof. Three hundred fifty thousand first two weeks. Uh, eventually went double platinum. So, I mean, it, it did very well. It exceeded, you know, the sales of the first album. Uh, critics love this album. I think it got, I want to say this album was like highly rated by, you know, Rolling Stone. I think Rolling Stone gave it four stars. The Source gave it four mics. Um, you know, so it was very critically acclaimed. Uh, the critics love this album. They They talked about how you know their styles still meshed and and how they were really willing to push the envelope musically 
and how that's appreciated and how, you know, they had a, a new sound and they, they called it the sound of the South. Um, and that, you know, Outkast was ushering a new generation of music, which they really, really did, if you think about it. Um, but there were some people <laughs> who didn't necessarily feel this album, this go round. And the reason why I say that is because the Outkast had a fan base that was really, really cool with them talking about pimps and hoes and Cadillac doves. <laughs> so, you know, that, that pimp playlistic lifestyle. And on this one, you know, on this album, they, they you know, as I mentioned earlier, they, they grew in this album. So, you know, when you grow, you're going to talk about different things. You know, they, they talked about, you know, they still had the talk. They still had talk about, you know, hustling and, and just, you know, playing, but being players. But, you know, also they talk more about, you know, their introspection as men. Um, and they talked about extraterrestrial life and, and living beyond this world. And I think that was more of a mu more of a musical metaphor. But, you know, I'm going to be honest. There were some outcast fans that were offended by, you know, the direction of the album. Uh, they didn't like the fact that, you know, it was, uh, you know, it had gone from what it was to, you know, something that it is or it became at that particular uh, time. And, and, you know, they weren't necessarily the hardcore partying players anymore. They were just kind of, you know, kind of settling into being, you know, as young men. Um, but to me, you know, and they even said they even said it on uh, what was that? Uh, one of the songs said went from yelling. That was a Jazzy Bell. Went, went from sell, went from yelling bitches and hoes to queen things. Um, you know, so it's it just, like I said, it shows their growth. And I think sometimes as fans, we get to the point where we're not necessarily looking to see our artists grow. So personally, I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, but the you know there were some fans that didn't like you know the fact that AT Aliens um, sounded lyrically you know it it it, it had kind of taken a turn from where Southern playlistic Cadillac music left off. Um, so yeah, the critics loved it. There were some fans who did not like the way that it went. My personal opinion, I thought this album was incredible. I thought. It was phenomenally placed together. I like where uh, Andre and Big Boy really pushed each other lyrically. And again, if you look at the landscape of what dropped that summer, when you look at uh, It Was Written and Stakes Is High and uh, Reasonable Doubt, and, I mean, Riding Dirty, and all of those albums are dropping back to back to back to back. So the pressure was on, and and I don't think Outkast, I don't think that bothered them at all. I don't think that, you know, the East Coast West Coast rivalry. I don't think that bothered them at all. I think what they they set out to do was to go into the booth, make music that was doper than dope and doper than what they had put out before, and they succeeded overwhelmingly. Um, where does this album rank in the albums that dropped in 1996? Man, this is, I'm not going to give you the official number because there's going to be a podcast <laughs> commemorating 1996, but uh, this is one of the best albums in 1996, hands down. Uh, 
this is one of Outkast's best albums, in my opinion. Uh, if I had to give it a mic, um, I would give this four and a half mics. Now, don't get it twisted. <laughs> Listen, there's some of you listening who probably would give this four mics. If you say, I'm giving this album four mics, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm giving it four and a half. And listen, <laughs> there may be some of you who say this is a five mic album. You get no argument from me. Personally, I can't give it a five mic album and I'll tell you why. I love every song. There's one or two songs that I don't love as much as I just like. You know, like I don't love them. I just like them. Like, uh, what was that? What song is that? Um, Extraterrestrial. Love the concept. As far as the song, you know, it's cool. I, I listen to it. It's, it's not a skip for me, but I just, uh, you know, I just, that's, to me, that's the slightest of blemishes that knocks it from five to four and a half. Um, you know, but other than that, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a bad song on this album. You may have songs that you like more than others, but nah, for me, I, again, if you say four mics, cool. I got no beef with you. If you say four and a half, you agree with me. If you say <laughs> if you say five, hey, you really get no argument from me. Now, if you said three and a half mics, I got to fight you. Because <laughs> this is a dope, dope album. Um, I think, and obviously, you know, from this, we all know what happened with Outkast. Uh, they proceeded to release even more albums. The next album, Aquemini, is my personal favorite. Now, if I had to give any any of their albums a five mic, I think Aquemini gets five mics. But if you look at Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Music, AT Aliens and Aquemini, hmm, you would be hard pressed to find any other group that would have done three albums like that and then have that kind of commercial success. Because keep in mind, uh, Southern Playlistic, Platinum, AT Aliens, Double Platinum, Aquemini. Triple platinum. <laughs> so they got progressively, the albums got progressively better and they sold just as much. And of course, not everything's not built on sales. But I mean, when you look at, you know, Tribe's first three albums, you look at Daylight's first three albums, you look at PE's first three albums, you know, you, you, I'll let you be the judge to figure out where. Outcast fits in that pantheon of, of albums as far as their first three albums. Um, that being said, I think, uh, like I said, this is an incredible album. Uh, I would definitely recommend if you have, if you don't have it, get it. If you haven't listened and listened to it in a while, listen. It's it's an incredible, phenomenal album. You will in, you will enjoy it as much as much as I do. Um, and like I said, so we know what happened, or at least maybe we do know what happened. Uh, they, they went on to record more albums. Uh, they have not put out an album in a few years as a group collectively. 
honestly, I don't know that Outkast will make another album. Uh, reason being is because to make an album uh, as Outkast, um, Andre 3000 has to rap. And I don't think Dre has any motivation or desire to rap right now. Um, and of course, that could change. But I know he's really, really into acting. And, you know, of course, Big Boy has, you know, moved on and done solo projects and, you know, done the joint with Big Grams and, you know, still touring and still making music. And, um, you know, but Dre and, you know, we saw the, the documentary, The Art of Noise, which was the feature on... Uh, documentary is featured on uh, organize, the Organized Noise Production Group Camp. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if they if they ever make another album. I would love to see them get back with Organized Noise. And I mean, I don't even care if it's just uh, EP, man. I mean, well, they're not gonna do EP, but still. I mean, uh, listen, I think when you have this kind of success and you you're that dope, I think you you you're kind of cheating yourself to some degree if you don't give that back to the fans but i understand i understand you know artistically and if you know if they don't feel like they're there i here's the one thing that i love about our cat outcast and i and i i think this is very true i don't think that they will ever be in in it just to say hey we're still in it you know they don't want to be in the game just to say hey we're still in the game like if they if they're in the game they they want to make sure that they are contributing to the game and so i think big boy will continue to make his solo projects dre even though he's not rapping on anybody's album per se you know he'll get on you and drop a, a quick 16 on you <laughs> and you know just remind you how dope he is on a, on a quick 16 but uh you know as for you know whether or not we'll see another outcast album uh as time goes on I don't necessarily know that we will. Uh, I would love to see it happen, but I'm a little bit more realistic in the fact that I think that it won't happen. But if it does, I'm there. Trust me, I'm there. I'm not, <laughs> there's no hesitation, no nothing. Yo, I am there for another Outcast album. Um, but I think one of the things that we'll we'll take that you can take away from this album again, as I mentioned earlier, is the fact that they truly and genuinely enjoy and you can tell that they enjoyed this process of creating music together and you know over the years there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not they had beef and you know if if they were ever going to get back together and big boy says it to this day like outcasts are still together like they never broke up he's like just because they haven't recorded any music together doesn't mean that they broke up he's like at the end of the day that's his friend and you know that says a lot to me because i think when you get into the music industry and you know a lot of you're pulled in different directions i think it's easy to lose sight of that but i think their friendship and their partnership gave us some great music and at the end of the day we should all be thankful for that so dre big boy from me to you thank you for outcasts atlians that's been another edition of the 12 kyle podcast we'll holler at you next time 5,000.